Hello and welcome to Still Buffering, a cross-generational guide to the culture that made us. I am Riley Smurl. I'm Sydney McElroy. And I'm Taylor Smurl. I was on at that time. You got it. Got it. Good job. Thank That's you. That's good. That's okay. We got that part of the got podcast. The way. Now we just need like <sighs> content. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, I got this tea. This isn't what we're talking about. I just, I've just been thinking about this the whole time we've been doing this intro and it's a guava white tea and I couldn't even tell you what a guava looks like, but uh, it, it's very tasty. And I'm thinking about the fact that I like this flavor of guava. If this is even close to what guava is mm-hmm. or else it's just fake. It's probably just fake, but I don't know. I don't know what a real guava looks like. It kinda, and I'm very concerned. Uh, I mean, it's like a little green oval. Yeah. It's kind of pink inside, I believe. You could Google guava. <laughs> I just <Yeah>. did. <laughs> um, listeners at home, if you're interested in what a guava <laughs> looks like, I Riley I, just Googled guava. So. I did. I just Googled guava. <laughs> there it is. And that, there's a guava. I, I think I gave a pretty good description. I think you that did. Was an unnecessary that was very Google. accurate. It's very tasty. <laughs> Anyways. Uh, well, that's... There you go. Good. I'm glad that we uh, figured that out. Uh, you guys caught up on the circle yet or... Oh, well, new episode just dropped today. Oh, no. That's what... Why am I recording this podcast? I'm sorry. I gotta no, go. I gotta go. <laughs> I gotta go. And I have class after this until 6.30 tonight. Oh, so... Wow. Oh, man. It's gonna be a while. Uh, that I... I tweeted about how much i like the circle and the circle liked my tweet so i'm getting on that show yeah taylor and i don't want to be on that show but riley does i want to be on that show so bad i just want to keep watching that show forever and ever hey circle if you're listening i heard you're filmed in the uk i will be there this summer for an extended period of time Mm -hmm. so um if if you're interested while i'm you know studying at oxford i can just pop over real quick and be a quick quick contestant on the circle be on the circle be on the circle <laughs> i don't know riley that that's a dangerous game because if you play as yourself like how many people catfish with the pictures of famous celebrities and you be <laughs> like no one's gonna believe you're actually on it there's every no single way. person on the circle would immediately be like oh there's no way she's here she's too famous <laughs> it's true uh, what it truly is! What a time to be alive! That both the circle is out and Zumbo's uh, just just desserts. desserts oh, I has love a second Zumbo. season. Yeah, what a time! What a time! <laughs> I, I know there might be some other stuff going on, but let's just focus on these those. two things. <laughs> I think the other stuff going on is making me watch a lot more TV. Mm-hmm. Is the way the world's mm-hmm. working right now. <laughs> Especially more TV like The Circle. Yes, and like Zumbo's Great Desserts. Yeah. Uh, I just finished that, the new season of that. It's, oh, it's amazing. I, I don't want to spoil anything, but I can't wait for y'all to watch it. I haven't even gotten to start it yet. Uh, just... the, there, there are a couple contestants that I just absolutely adore. I, uh, I, I love that show because it is a, it's a baking, cooking, whatever you want to call it, show that I can also get the kids to watch mm-hmm. because the desserts are so magical and the dessert yeah. factory is so magical that it's that they're like whoa that one just really smoke is it gonna <laughs> change colors this is so cool <laughs> that was a couch but you ate it it's like Willy Wonka except real is Zumbo Willy Wonka huh is Zumbo Willy Wonka is he uh I don't well maybe maybe do you think maybe like there will eventually be like a championship round and the winner will get to take over take over Zumbo's factory. factory. Oh, yeah. yeah, maybe. And he just kind of like passes on the keys and then just waves and just evaporates into thin air. But doesn't it? He have was never to... really a person to begin with. Zumbo is just an idea that lives within all of us. <laughs> I believe that'll that'll be when they do Zumbo Junior because it has to be a child because an adult would want to do it their way, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, go ahead. I was just gonna say an adult would want to make cakes, you know. The boring way. The boring way that just looks like recipes. cakes. Not like upside down and flying and on fire. Yeah. <laughs> as all dessert should be. Or the person that pops out of the middle. Uh, th- that just, uh, you said cou- edible couches. Uh, this just vac- brought back a memory. There's a Japanese show where they make 
things. They make household objects out of chocolate, like to high, high detail, like accuracy. And wow. the, whole, the whole point of the TV show, though, they don't show you the making of it. The whole point of the TV show is they make people try to decide if this object is real or chocolate, and then they have to take a bite of it to see if they were right or not. <laughs> <laughs> so sometimes it's just people just biting down on a shoe and being like, nope, it's a shoe. <laughs> That's very good. <laughs> I just need I don't I don't want to watch the show as much as I want a compilation of those moments of people <laughs> just biting objects that aren't chocolate. That's the only way that I have watched this. I've never actually watched the real show. I've just gone down YouTube holes where I'm just watching compilations of people biting random things and being like, Yay, it's chocolate. Oh no, it's a purse. <laughs> what is it with our obsession of making things out of food? I would also watch like a compilation of just the episodes of Project Runway where they made clothes out of food. Yeah. If I could just yeah. see those, because they usually did that once per season, like right. just the one where they made it out of food, please. No other. <laughs> no others, please. I don't care who wins. I just need to see more things that are edible around me. <laughs> I just think that's fascinating. It, it goes back to that, that initial Willy Wonka memory of just walking through a place where you could just eat everything. Yeah. When he eats that cup, that little buttercup oh, yeah. cup, that mm -hmm. little flower cup. One of the greatest um, moments in movie history. <laughs> since since I know you all are dying to know, I want you to just know and be comforted in the fact that I'm still watching The Bachelor and I'm still on my mission to get on The Bachelor okay. and destroy it from the inside. So you and uh, create a new Bachelor. So you were you were part of or were you were, were part of the audience viewing Champagne Gate? Yes, Champagne Gate. Oh my gosh, that was the funniest that, the funniest that moment that yeah. has ever happened on TV. It was so good. It was so good. I uh, I would never recommend that anyone you know unironically watch The Bachelor, but watch it for that moment because it's just so good. If you want to see some awful person get champagne just shot up, shot up their get nose and all over their, their face. face. <laughs> so good. Uh, I The gif was good. It was good. It was GIF. good. I, I, the gif was good. Mm -hmm. I had no idea what was happening, but I did say, Justin, look at this. Well, uh -huh. Hannah Ann <laughs> stole Kelsey's champagne that Sha Kelsey was going to give to Peter. And then Hannah Ann opened it with Peter. But really, mm. there was a secret second bottle of champagne. So Hannah Ann didn't steal Kelsey's champagne. Hannah Ann was drinking the champagne that was there for her. So Kelsey got mad for no reason. And then Kelsey drank the champagne with Peter and it ended up all over her face. Well. There you go. Champagne okay. gate. Now, now Riley has both brought the tea and spilled the tea. So The guava tea. <laughs> the guava tea and the bachelor tea. <laughs> We're soaked in tea here at Still Buff. What are we going to talk about, though? Yeah, none of this. <laughs> Interestingly enough, uh, we're in a whole different direction. There, there was a moment of a segue there, and then we just bulldozed past it. So I guess we're just, gonna, just uh, yeah. that's okay. We're doubling back to we we people know you you teased it yes. last week. Uh, so yeah, so I brought to the table this week um, the uh, comic, the, the the small graphic novel, uh, uh, Batman: The Killing Joke. Uh, written by Alan Moore, uh, illustrated by Brian Boland, came out, I believe, in 88, but is kind of held up as one of the, like, most important Joker stories, one of the, you know, books you have to read if you're into Batman, if you're into comics, mm -hmm. uh, and definitely a book that I first read it when I was, uh, I think, a senior, a senior in high school, um, and I, if you'd asked me at the time, uh, and definitely in college, I would have said it was my favorite comic book. That seems very long ago to me now. Um, but I still think it's it's a fascinating book, especially right now where we're having, you know, the Joker is winning all the awards. There's a lot of Joker fandom that's very rabid nowadays. And it's, you know, back when when I was a fan of this book, well, that wasn't quite. It was a popular character, but it wasn't quite what it is now. Uh, it's it's very uh, it's a lot more intense now, <laughs> and I'm not not so much a part of it anymore. So when, anyway, how do you think how how has the is this? Do you think the origins of that though? Because I do feel like there's a a special uh, I don't want to say obsession because that's not fair. It's not an obsession, but people do. The Joker has a fandom that you don't see a lot of uh, comic book or movie villains necessarily cultivate um because it's like a it's a it 
it's like a love hate. Like he's a bad guy, but there are a lot of people who are very devoted to Joker love. Mm-hmm. Well, um, yeah, I think because I think part of it comes from the fact that just in the Batman world to begin with, it's one that I've always found the Rogues Gallery to be more interesting and engaging as characters than actual Batman. I love Batman, but like, there's a lot of sympathy built into the characters. Uh, the, the bad guys, like they all have, just as Batman has kind of a tragic origin story that makes him Batman, all the all of the villains have tragic origin stories that make them villains. Uh, mm-hmm. And the Joker never really had one. You know, the Joker is one of the earliest Batman villains, and he never he never really had a backstory. Uh, this is kind of the first one that gives him one. Now, if it's really him telling the truth, that's one of the debates about this book. But it is one that gives him his sympathetic backstory. And I think a lot of people probably, especially, to be honest, a lot of young people that haven't really experienced the world, that have had their first brushes with pain and with rejection, I think there's something in relating to the idea of, like, the pain you're given can justify you being a a big old jerk. (laughs) Well, and I think there's definitely, it's it's weird, because having, and Riley, I'll be interested to see your take on this because of this aspect. Mm Mm-hmm. Knowing that this came out in the late 80s and like you would have read it in the 90s uh, and that's when I for, I, I read this a very long time ago so I I remembered little bits of it but I, I had to read it again for this because it's been so long. Um, I feel like the kind of like gleeful nihilism uh, that is represented in it is was very much in vogue at that moment in time. Like this is this is like I could see this fitting into a lot of the '90s psyche very well. This idea that like, who cares? Everything's so messed up anyway. What mm-hmm. can we even do? Like there was a lot of that. It mm-hmm. was very it was a very popular kind of aesthetic, right? Which is not where we are anymore. Yeah, right. And so I I could see like I I, I could see where maybe a younger me would have connected to some of those themes, whereas like the me now does not at all yeah i mean i don't think i do as personally connect to those themes and i feel like it's harder to for my generation to almost because it's like there's this new surge and wave of like we have to be a good balance of optimistic and pessimistic because it we all feel responsible for like fixing the problems that have been given to us in the world so like realist so yeah yeah like you you can't be well everything's awful we can't fix it so let's just take this excuse to like be you know whatever we want to be and be awful and do whatever we want but it's also not like everything's great and we don't have to fix anything like there's that that good middle ground that i feel like we would i mean i read this and was very much like i i get it i don't relate to it but i get it it wasn't hard it? for me to understand because this I was your first it. reading. This was your it was first. my first reading. Um, it reminded me very much, which makes sense because it's by Alan Moore. I had to read V for Vendetta, the graphic novel, yeah. and watch the movie for um, an English class last semester, and just the the style of the storytelling reminded me very much of that. Um, and the um, the themes were all kind of the same, kind of just like it, V for Vendetta. I don't know when that was written, but it was in the 80s or 90s, right? Uh, yes. Some Sometime like that. But those kinds of themes that were written back then, but you could still see them being very prevalent in different ways today. Mm-hmm. Like I could still see themes of this book being prevalent to modern day, but I did enjoy it. Well, and I do, I want to briefly uh, surmise the book. I mean, we all know, you know, Batman and the Joker fight. Basic point, but <laughs> what? Uh, yeah, uh, Batman is supposed to be the good guy. The Joker is supposed to be the bad yeah. guy. We we can all debate totally the nuance of that, but <laughs> but but so basically, uh, the Joker escapes Arkham. He um, he shoots Barbara Gordon slash Batgirl. Uh, he kidnaps Commissioner Gordon and he takes him to his weird, creepy circus and tries to basically drive him crazy because he's operating on this premise that. One bad day can drive a person insane, can make a person, you know, break. And through this, we're seen, uh, shown flashbacks of a possible origin story for the Joker, where basically he's just a guy that had a really bad day. Um, mm-hmm. And this is all kind of framed with Batman grappling with the idea of, like, 
he and the Joker keep going back and forth. One day, one of them is going to have to kill the other, that they're on this road and they can't get off of it. And he wants to reason with the Joker and get off of this. Um, and then, you know, the story ends with with Batman coming to, you know, save the day. Commissioner Gordon's rescued. He does not break. And they do it by the book, bring the Joker in and, you know, put him back into Arkham. So that's just the... Although- they do. They do end with the Batman and Joker just laughing. Mm-hmm. Well, that's true. I, uh, I, you know, there's actually a couple. Or there's there's a funny interpretation of the the last page um, that it was Grant Morrison that actually proposed it, or I don't think he's the first one to propose it, but he talked about it in an interview, famously, where he sa- he says that his interpretation of those last few panels is that the Batman strangles the Joker, and that's why <laughs> the laughter cuts off and then it goes black, uh, and it's to mimic that story that he tells at the end um Mm. i i don't think i mean you know that's i feel like the comic itself kind of that would not make sense given i think that there's a bigger theme going on under the story so not in that way and also because from this after barbara gordon is shot she's then you know she's in a wheelchair she becomes oracle so this story is canon it goes canon yeah. universe mm-hmm. and the joker is still alive so yeah. you know this is not the canonical ending of the joker right yeah no i i did not interpret it that way yeah me either you know at face value it did not occur to me that that was happening mm. um i th- i thought it was kind of undermining like y- you think that uh goodness or order or whatever has triumphed mm-hmm. it because the commissioner it still wants to do things by the book does not want to just murder the joker for what he's done he wants to arrest him and and the, and batman wants to rehabilitate him i mean uh-huh. he says that very clearly he wants he want he believes that he can get better right and not want to do these things yeah. and like all of this is seems to be what has won the day and then i felt like that that la- batman laughing with him at the end was like a way of kind of undermining that a little mm-hmm. and saying well, did it really though, or is there still more like Batman specifically? Is there more darkness there than any of us are willing to admit? Mm-hmm. You know. Uh, I mean, I kind of I've always enjoyed the reading of Batman that is like just as much as all of these villains had something happen to their life that broke them in such a way that they've changed and now they're the supervillain that Batman's just, he's exactly the same thing. It's just the thing he targets are villains. So, like, he's one of them, but he has some sort of self-awareness of that, you know? Like, mm-hmm. he's like Dexter. M- maybe? Kind of? <laughs> like, Except for he doesn't kill him. No, but he... He, he just y- yeah hits him. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess that he has the exact... He's a lot closer to the villains than he is to a normal person. Like, you know, Commissioner Gordon having that horrible day and everything happening to him, he's still a good man who wants to do things by the book. Batman is is aware of goodness and fights for it, but maybe has something that is broken in him that he can't really belong in in the same kind of humanity as commissioner gordon i don't know i i do think i think that it's interesting because i watched even though we're not we're not talking about the movie joker i did watch that um after reading this because i was curious to Mm -hmm. see if there were i you know taylor you had said that there were some similarities in the interpretation of the character and so i was curious and there's so much talk about it i really hadn't intended on seeing the movie because of a lot of the talk about it it didn't sound like something i would enjoy and full disclosure i can't say i enjoyed it i didn't in the word enjoy yeah yeah (laughs) i did not enjoy what i experienced i uh i found parts of it very impressive uh in terms of walking phoenix's performance i I thought he is a good talented actor and he is very talented Mm -hmm. in in what he does um, and I can re- I can understand and respect that, but like, it's so dark, and that's not really my thing. So there right. it is. Um, but I did there. There was an aspect to it that I found in both of them where the Joker does have a bad day in in the book, The Killing Joke, in the sense that he wants to be a stand up comedian, but he can't seem to make it ostensibly because he's not funny. He's just not good. Yeah. <laughs> Like, <laughs> so he can't he can't succeed yeah. in in the what he wants, uh, and so he tries to make money quickly by doing something illegal, 
and he needs to make money quickly for a, a it's a noble motivation right he has a wife and a baby on the way mm-hmm. right? so he needs money to support them right. that's very noble but then he he tries to engage in a criminal activity mm-hmm. to to you know succeed in this goal and in the midst of this in a totally freak accident his wife dies in a totally unrelated accidental mm-hmm. thing that has nothing to do with anything and uh and then in the midst of his criminal activity he falls into clown juice <laughs> yep uh no, well i clown mean juice. It, i believe clown juice clown juice <laughs> I, I mean i don't know what what it <laughs> it's some chemical cuz there's a chemical company next to a playing card manufacturer company <laughs> which you know that's where one thing cuz as i was rereading it especially going through the past stuff where you kind of have to go like oh but this is still a comic book this is right, still right, an right, origin right. story of a supervillain. And this is not some gritty reboot. This is, there's still a lot, a lot of like the wackiness of, you know, I mean, I don't, I didn't know that you had giant industrial complexes to make playing cards, but yeah, in, in Gotham you do. <laughs> I guess they just have what, they don't play by any rules there. It, it's just yeah. a weird vat of stuff that makes your skin white and your hair green and your mouth red. It's just like, what? I mean, that's comics. You <laughs> clown know? juice. Like, yeah, whatever, whatever so, it is, it's, it's a comic. Clown juice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and, and so, like, as a result of all this, his theory is that this was a very bad day. Obviously, it's a bad day. So he's justified in everything else he does. And I think you see, like, that definitely it's not one bad day. It's not one bad thing. There's a whole series of unfortunate events. Yeah in the movie that justify him doing the things he does. But either way, there's a, it reeks to me a bit of privilege. Mm -hmm. The idea that like, I am experiencing things that are hard, that are not fair for sure. Not fair, not necessarily deserved, but as a result of those things, I get to do bad things to the world. Mm -hmm. Right. That it just, there was, I mean like, you know, not everybody gets to be a stand-up comedian. I'm sorry. I couldn't be one. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's just... We're so sit-down like, comedians. I don't <laughs> we sit at our microphones. <laughs> <laughs> well, oh. I, I just, I feel like, I, I, and I felt that, and maybe the movie is going back and coloring my experience of the book, but I felt that a lot. Like, come on, man. Like, really? You want me to accept that, like, oh, well, obviously now you get to go murder people. That's true. Mm-hmm. That's fair. That's, that's the way. You're right. Well, yeah. That's the way things work them's a break but i think that's why and i think that's one of the things that i i one of the i think important things i i don't think the themes in the killing joke are bad things can happen to you and then your bad actions are justified i don't think that's what alan moore is saying at all and i don't because i think that this book is often referenced as a lot of the inspiration for the dark knight the chris uh the yes yeah mm-hmm. um and uh the thing that happens in both the book and the dark knight is the Joker's trying to prove his point, right? In the book, it's the setup with Gordon. In the movie, he's got the two boats that are going to, one has to explode the other or they're going to die. So they have to turn against their fellow man. And in both situations, Gordon does not break. He doesn't want the Joker dead. He wants it by the books. The boats don't kill each other. They choose to have faith in each other. Both things reiterate the idea that the Joker is wrong, that he has this idea to justify his actions, that you know, inside of everybody is some sort of unhinged monster just like him. He's just being honest, which is such like that internet rhetoric, you know, or that it is yes. kind of that yeah. modern stand-up comedian com- uh, like rhetoric of like, I'm just saying what everybody's thinking. Like, yeah, that's true. That's true. But not that the both things make a point of saying not everyone's thinking that like you are alone. You you are the one that is you've given into your baser instincts. You've used your pain as an excuse to call other people cause other people pain and you're alone in that in that justification nobody's Mm -hmm. nobody's waiting for you to come along and free us all from our cages and that's the one thing i'm not going to get into anything else about the new movie as far as critiques that's the thing that i think it lost is that this is the first time that you've had that setup because not every interpretation of the joker has that sometimes he's just goofy and weird and i kind of almost prefer that joker but if you're going to use this joker that has this thesis statement the new movie is the first one that kind of said and he was right all along and that really bothered me because i think that's yeah yeah that was an important tenant to the batman universe 
I agree. I want to I want to go into this more because we haven't talked a lot about Barbara Gordon, right. which I think we need to talk about. And I also want to talk about mental illness as it relates to this book mm-hmm. and somewhat the movie a little bit. Um, but before we do that, let's check the group message. Uh, sisters, the first thing I want to tell you all about this week uh, on the group message are my pants. <laughs> OK, <Great. laughs> tell us about your pants. Uh, I am so excited that Beta Brand is a sponsor of our show now because I bought their dress pant uh, yoga pants a long time ago. Uh, It's been several years um, because I was looking. I actually found them in like a group for doctor moms Mm -hmm. who were looking for good pants to wear to work that were dress pants but would feel really comfortable and get you through the whole day. And especially as a I know that this this you're going to make fun of me for this. As a doctor, I actually spend, uh, no, I actually spend a lot of time, like, when you're examining patients, I'm, like, up and down, like, I gotta look at feet, sometimes I'm down on the floor looking gotta look at, at things, I mean, I'm crawling around, yeah. you gotta be able to move, you gotta right. be flexible, and you gotta feel comfortable, and the days can get really long, and it's really hard to find pants that look professional, that look nice, that you can wear to work, um, but that also will be comfortable like that and mm-hmm. won't get wrinkly and, you know, will be stretchy, will breathe, will feel comfortable. And you could even wear like you can wear at home, you can wear at the office, you could wear out to dinner if mm-hmm. you if you like pair them with a nice top like they're super comfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, and Beta Brands dress pant yoga pants were exactly the the solution I needed. I've had them for several years and I love them. They are my go to work pants and for like any kind of nice event where mm-hmm. I just want to get dressed real quickly and feel comfortable in what I'm wearing and be able to move. And with kids around, like mm-hmm. being able to crawl around on the floor and chase people and stuff in my pants and not have to worry about them getting all like wrinkled and stuff. It's yeah. so great. And they have all kinds of colors and patterns and cuts and styles. You can get boot cut like I have. You can get straight leg or skinny, um, whatever you whatever you want. They have premium denim now. They have other clothes too. Beta mm-hmm. Brand has. I have a sweater from there that I really love. But, um, but the pants, I cannot tell you enough how much I love these Beta Brand pants. Uh, Taylor, if our listeners want to check out Beta Brand... What should they do? Well, right now, our listeners can get 20% off their first order. You just go to betabrand.com slash buffering. That's 20% off your first order at betabrand.com slash buffering. Millions of women agree these are the most comfortable pants you'll ever wear to work. Betabrand.com slash buffering for 20% off. Hey, I, are, hey. Are, you, are, are you a small business owner? No. Say yes. Say yes. Oh, yes. Did you get into your line of work because it's your passion? Yes. But uh, is is tedious administrative work keeping you from doing the part of the job that you actually love most? Yes. That's actually true. That is. That is true. <laughs> <laughs> well, HoneyBook can take those tasks off your to-do list. HoneyBook is an online business management tool that organizes your client communications, bookings, contracts, and invoices all in one place so you can get back to doing those parts of your job that are actually fun that you actually care about doing so you can stop worrying so much about you know keeping track of all your appointments all your invoices all your papers all your documents honeybook take care of all of it for you i also think it's a great nickname maybe that i'll give justin hey honeybook <laughs> hey honeybook yeah that's very cute I like that. what, what are you up to honeybook um It's perfect for freelancers, entrepreneurs, small business owners like both of you are now because that's what I've made you. Um, (laughs) And if you want to consolidate services you already use like QuickBooks, Google Suite, Excel, MailChimp, they can do all of that for you. But, you know, overall, they just simplify your to-do list and make it so you can stay in control of all of the things you have to do but make it a lot easier. So, Taylor, if our listeners want to check out HoneyBook, HoneyBook, what should they do? Well, uh, you should go to uh, HoneyBook.com slash, or sorry, uh, try HoneyBook.com slash buffering because right now HoneyBook is offering our listeners 50% off. Uh, Payment is flexible and the promotion applies whether you pay monthly or annually. Go to tryhoneybook.com slash buffering. That's 50% off your first year. Uh, try honeybook.com slash buffering one more time do it make things simple do it, do it. so I think I think the the thing that stood out to me the most on this reread of the killing joke um, aside from all the like 
the the Joker's kind of perspective on the world. Uh, first of all, I remembered that this is where Barbara Gordon got shot, and as a result of this, used a wheelchair and became Oracle because I read a lot of Birds of Prey books yeah. where she was Oracle. Yeah, loved that. And so I I knew that this is where that I remembered that this was the book in which that happened. I did not remember what the Joker did to her after that. Yeah. That I on I on reread, I don't know if I had just erased that from my brain or whatever. But the Joker, after he shoots her, um take he he kidnaps Commissioner Gordon, so he's not there to see this happen. He's he strips Barbara Gordon naked and takes pictures of her. Right bleeding and naked Mm -hmm. and then uses those pictures to terrorize commissioner gordon by putting them inside like the whatever the tunnel yeah the thing that he's i don't know he's in fun house yeah whatever it's supposed to be clown juice factory yes (laughs) this is at the carnival (laughs) this is the carnival but uh he puts he puts those pictures up so that the commissioner has to see them and see this these horrific images of his of his daughter in such a you know horrible condition and bleeding and and desperate for help and all that and in an attempt to as he says drive him insane uh and i that to me was really hard i had forgotten that and i i man that was hard reading Mm -hmm. on repeat because it is all of her suffering uh and her vulnerability is used in the service of the story of the Joker and Batman and Commissioner Gordon. Well, it it's, you know, a few steps short of a classic case of, of fridging a woman, um, which you, you all know that term, correct? A, yes, but I think it would be helpful to uh, Yeah, I actually don't, so... I can't think of the comment. No, I can't, the origin of this. It's basically a, a when you kill off a female character to inspire a male character to action... Um, it okay. comes famously from like a male superhero who found his female love interest dead in his refrigerator. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, you know, it's something that we see in, we see in film, we see in comic books and it's kind of, it's, I, I feel like, you know, in, in more modern comic discussions where, <laughs> where I think women are involved in these discussions, it's really heinous because it kind of creates the idea that these women are just props, you know, to be, yeah disposed of as needed to drive the story versus having a story of their own which in the case of, of Barbara Gordon is is particularly painful and I agree it's it's really hard for me to reread now um, because it's like Barbara Gordon is she's Batgirl you know like there's right. there's a whole mm-hmm. like this wasn't this this isn't even her title like she she existed in her own comics and this story took you know, it took her mobility away from her. And it's just very, you know, she becomes Oracle. It's a really beautiful story. But I do agree that it's like, it's not a sacrifice that she made. It wasn't part of her story. It was just in service of a bunch of dude stories. Um, it was, uh, it refers to a Green Lantern oh, okay, that was it. story from, from 1994 in which he, Kyle Rayner comes home and finds his girlfriend, Alexandra DeWitt. In the refrigerator. Thank you. Thank you for looking at that. She'd up. been killed by major force. I am not familiar very much with the Green Lantern. <laughs> You're so knowledgeable so. of the Green. No, the green I had to look this up. I, I had heard this term. I knew it yeah. at reverence, but I, yeah, I, I did not know that. Uh, yeah, I, I, I felt that way. I felt very much like she was being, like, used in that sense. Yeah, and the fact that she is naked, also, it just felt so. <sighs> It felt very, um, I don't know. Yeah. It was just, she was so exposed as a human, as a character, as a, a literally, figuratively. That, I thought that was very hard. And, and I, I agree with that kind of interpretation of it. Um, I think that it's hard because it is the origin of Oracle, who is such a great character and I enjoyed so much in those books. Um, but on the flip side, it, it is, that's the last of, Batgirl as she was yeah. before who was also a great character and ha- who has kind of had a like a, a resurgence as Batgirl has mm-hmm. been brought back in, in new iterations of the character and stuff like that and I think I think even Gail Simone has said you know it it's nice to have both I think we can celebrate both characters um, because it is not I don't know the way that the way that Oracle was created is not necessarily the most 
positive affirming story yeah you know she because it's not her story well and i mean for someone like me who has never read anything else in that that canon any oracle stories at Mm -hmm. all this is like it there's no i don't get that well at least this is like kind of the beginning in some way of a good Mm -hmm. character storyline in terms of this book and this story that's just her treatment as a character you don't get that sort of redemption and that was very hard for me but also i don't know i i see it as i hate to say it's hard because it is important to the joker's character to understand him as a a villain and -hmm. also a person and how far his boundaries go but it also yeah yeah but it also, I don't know, was just hard to watch as or read. Yeah, yes. it, 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 it. I think it's. I think it's very hard to read, and it is. So you know, Oracle is a, a super cool um, hero who mm-hmm. is. She's a genius. She's like a computer genius and just a genius genius. Mm-hmm. And she helps the Birds of Prey, which is a bunch of female superheroes, mm-hmm. by like she can do all kinds of fancy computer stuff and like you know gadgets and all that the techno end of things and hack into any system and all that kind of stuff and like talks to them through headsets to like supervise oversee manage a mission Mm -hmm. and make things happen for them remotely okay um because she is in a wheelchair so she is not necessarily out in the field with them okay it's a very cool character right shows like the power of the brain that's why that's why i was always very attracted to the character because it's like she uses her brain wow i've got that i'm my arms are so wimpy, but I've got a brain, <laughs> big brain. Well, and I do. I I, I agree because I remember. I remember when they were. I guess it wasn't a retcon because they do Oracle still exists in the DC in the Batman universe. Um, uh, but when they decided to, you know, start Batgirl, kind of erase that part from this storyline's the, the new Batgirl's history. Uh, or you know, she's just Batgirl. And I think it was Gail Simone that wrote this really beautiful letter about it, about how she just, she wanted to see Barbara Gordon fly again. And it kind of felt very poignant because, uh, um, you know, she was, she had that identity taken away from her in such just an offhand way in service of something else. And to have it given back to her in in a comics universe where you can have many versions of a character (laughs) exist at once. But to have that, you know, (laughs) reinvigoration of that and have that given back to her, I felt was very... At first, I was kind of like, no, Oracle's great. We have Oracle. Oracle's, leave Oracle alone. And I was like, no, I, I get it. Like, you're right. That it is, it is good that we have both out there. Yeah. 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 There's no reason we can't, we can't have both. There have been, I, I saw that thing on the flash with the infinite earths. There were like, <laughs> there so I saw many. like three different Supermans. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> uh, many Batmans yeah. too. Batmans? Batmans. Uh, Batman. Batmans, Batmans. And then there's Bat that... Boys. Anyway, I was going to talk... There's that new movie coming out where there's a literal Batman, Morbius or something. Mothman? No. <laughs> He's a Spider-Man villain, Morbi- Morbius? Uh, Mor- something? Okay. Anyway, he's, like, he's like half bat, half man. He's a literal Batman. He's a literal Batman. Batman. Uh, anyway... <laughs> Uh, it's, it's, not, it's unrelated to Batman. It's a whole other thing. But he's like got bat blood in him. Well, they might be related. <laughs> no. Uh, the uh, the other thing though that I did want to mention because it's it's talked about in the Killing Joke. I feel like it is very prominent in the movie Joker, but it's talked about in the Killing Joke. It there there's so much use of terms from that I think they're sometimes genuinely referencing mental illness and then sometimes they're using them in a pejorative sense. Right. Yeah. When we talk about things like madness or insanity or lunacy or, you know, and, and these words sometimes when they're talking about cra- crazy is the mm-hmm. best example of this. Sometimes they're actually trying to use these terms to reference a diagnosed mental illness. Yeah. And then sometimes they're being used as like, wild yeah um well and i have i crazy is not an actual diagnosis though correct right like i have i know decided this is your your diagnoses you are crazy (laughs) crazy no no of course these are not but that but sometimes they're they're used to i mean there's a question here is the is the joker mentally ill or is he a bad person right Mm -hmm. 
And I, I feel like there's a danger because he talks about this idea that like, I'm going to do these things to make Commissioner Gordon go mad. I'm going to make him go crazy is what he is saying. Mm -hmm. And then once he's crazy, he'll also do bad things or see that, you know, he could be capable of bad things or whatever and all that. And I, I, for me, that just, it's really hard. And maybe, maybe this is just over time. We've hopefully evolved to see that this is problematic. Um, because people with mental illness are much more likely to harm themselves than anyone else. Mm-hmm. And I, I see too often this conflated. Uh, and I think in the movie Joker, it's definitely right. there. He is said to have some, I don't know what his diagnosis is. They don't say, mm-hmm. but he is on psychiatric medications. Yeah. He has seen a therapist, counselor, psychologist, something of that stripe. Mm-hmm. I'm not, I don't know what the, her credentials are. So he is, diagnosed with something and he is on medications and this is part of why he does the things he does i don't think we can it's not like said this is why but it's definitely in there it's in the milieu along with the bad things that happen to him and i i just i i I really would like to push back against that he's a comic book villain he's an exaggerated caricature of evil Mm -hmm. and that should not be connected to mental illness right. to actual yeah. diagnosable mental illness it's a very dangerous connection that and and we have a whole history of it it's still the same thing every time you yeah. hear word of a shooting everybody wants to talk about mental illness mm-hmm. and it it stigmatizes people with mental illness and makes us think that they are dangerous inherently mm-hmm. or capable of acts of great evil that someone without mental illness may not be capable of and that none of that is true and i just that was the other thing that the killing joke hints at that bothered me the joker i feel like embraces yeah so much more mm-hmm. um and that's i i that always irks me i hate when i see that in a film that, that no yeah. no somebody with mental illness is not this dangerous person that we need to like stay away from and be scared of I, right it's someone who needs help and medicine and doctors and therapy, just like somebody with any other chronic illness. Mm-hmm. I agree um, that the, the conflation of like evil and ill in terms of like your, your mental welfare is very, it's, it's, it's a massive problem in our society today. I think that, and I think that people that have grown up, I mean, and I think part of, cause I spent a lot of time trying to figure out, I was obsessed with this character when I was young. Like, my first tattoo was Harley Quinn Diamonds. And, like, what was it about this character that I loved so much that I had this? And I think, you know, when you realize that, like, because it took me a long time to kind of grapple with the, the things that were, it was so hard to talk about. Like, I think I think I have, like, problems. Like, I, I have anxiety. I have depression. Like, I think these things affect me because this, those things were, like, hush-hush words. You know, you the stigmatization of that, like, well, that means you're, you know, you're a crazy person, you're, you're bad, you're wrong, like, that there's a weird sort of sympathy that, and I'm just trying to kind of also understand why I think there's a cultural fascination with this character. I think that there's a certain amount of like, just, you know, if if you're going to villainize me for things that I can't help, fine, I'll be a villain. Like, and I don't think that's the ultimate answer. I think that there's, you know, there's a step beyond that, obviously. And I think that you've kind of got to meet society halfway. But I do think that that is something that we have these characters because they represent that, that, that very, you know, know, malignant, like, processing of mental illness that we still have in our, in our society. We still have those things related. And so inevitably, people that have mental illness might be prone to relate to these evil characters, because they in some way see have sympathy for them because they know what it they they've been made to feel evil because of that. Yeah. That almost is one of the parts and while it's not I do think this book does a better job of almost not crossing that line mm-hmm. most of the time. Yes, than I agree. The movie and and other things certainly I've seen. Um I do think that's almost one of the facets of this book that makes it seem like it could have even been written now or made for modern day because that's just such a common rhetoric i think when certain politicians and people in positions of power are talking about mental illness and and what it does to people and how dangerous it is even if you have 
a, a larger and louder contingent of people saying that's not what it is now than maybe you did, you mm-hmm. know, when this comic book was written, you still have that rhetoric and you still have that that mindset. And you almost could read this now because this is the first time I'd read it, obviously, and see that as like a I want to say like a an important political commentary on on how mental illness is discussed. But it kind of is. It's kind of like a a comment on what we think of people that are mentally ill. No, it's true. It's true. Cause you could, whether you're talking about from the events that the, that the Joker suffers in the killing joke in his past, um, could easily result in, you know, PTSD. Yeah. I mean, if you, if you look at that, or if you're talking about the movie in which he has, you know, had adverse childhood events that we know are related Mm-hmm. with you know all kinds of uh issues as you get older whatever you're referencing these are true things and there are ways of talking about them and understanding the reality and dealing with them and the the, the ways it changes people as mm-hmm. they become adults um and h- how they suffer as a result of it yeah but none of it is what the joker does right, right. none of it translates to becoming a um an outlandishly, you know, ridiculous supervillain. Yeah. Like that, that is not the result of it. Uh, the right. results are a lot um, less entertaining and a lot harder yeah. and, and sadder and, and more difficult to talk about. Um, well, I, I think it's, it's kind of goes back to one of the important things that I've, I've learned in therapy is that your pain can explain you. Your pain can't excuse you. Uh, is something that I've had yes. to kind of frame in my mind and definitely applies to these. Mm-hmm. I I agree completely. I think I think that's a really good a good note to to end that yeah. uh, to the healing joke on. I think that's an excellent way of looking at it, right. Tay, because it it really it's it's an interesting exploration. I think it's a good it's a good comic book. I yeah. I mean, other than again the the Barbara Gordon stuff is really hard for me, but it, it is yeah. I enjoy the story. I enjoy reading it. I enjoyed the art is great. I mean, it, you know. Alan Moore, of course, is super talented. So the storytelling and the dialogue and everything, it's, I mean, I can recognize something that is well done and at the same time say, I'm good on it for now. I don't, I don't want to read it again right now. Yeah. (laughs) I can recognize quality and then say, I'm good though. (laughs) Right. Um. (laughs) And I agree. I, you know, I never, I think if like 19 year old Taylor heard, 34 year old Taylor having this discussion uh, I'd be appalled but now I'm very much like well, I, you know I like Sailor Moon now <laughs> I, it was probably my favorite comic book then too I was just too afraid to say it so I held the killing joke in front of me like no I'm cool look yeah. <laughs> no I, I think I'll probably go back to Archie now mm-hmm. and not Riverdale oh. not Riverdale <laughs> I'll go back to rereading Scott Pilgrim. When, uh, <laughs> we, we can't bring modern stuff to the table, Riley, so so it's up to you to bring Riverdale to the table and make Sydney watch it. Oh. No, please don't. Oh, oh. No. Taylor, <laughs> you've given me such a good idea. How could you? How could um, you? Next uh, week, though, is my turn again. Right. Yes. And while we will not be talking about Riverdale yet, Sydney, um, I want to talk about a YouTuber next week. Another one. Okay. But this one, I don't, not a musician. I want to talk about her videos and her as a person. And I want to talk about Nikki Tutorials. Nikki Tutorials. Because, Sydney, you recently saw her in the news and you had not heard of her before. Yes, she was trending on Twitter. Yes. And I have been watching her videos for years. I've always loved her. And recently she's been, you know, trending and the subject of some, some awful you know stuff but mm-hmm. we'll get into that next week so that's what we're going to be doing next week all right all right that sounds good i will i will go uh youtube it up youtube that up i will youtube charlie that will up. like yes. to join you makeup makeup oh, videos yeah. right yeah. uh charlie will love that yeah she will love watching makeup videos okay i i will watch the i i'm i'm vaguely familiar with the story of what happened but yeah. i will watch the video that came out recently as well some of her older work yeah so that i can be well established and in this, we'll, uh, we'll get into all of it <laughs> youtube personality yeah and uh and if you would like to i guess again play along at home yeah just watch some watch, random nikki tutorials yeah. videos you can watch some of those videos so that we will all be on the same page yeah all right thank you again taylor for bringing the yeah, killing thanks, joke Tay. this week thank you for uh for giving it a read 
And now I have a copy of the deluxe edition. So. Oh, wow. Oh. Yeah. There's like extra art oh, in the back. Alice. Yeah. Uh, thank you, listeners, for joining us. You can tweet at us at StillBuff. You can email us at stillbuffering at maximumfun.org. Uh, if you have any thoughts or suggestions or things that you think we should talk about um, that are relevant to the cultural history of teens or young adults. Uh, <laughs> yeah. From any era, really. Yeah. Uh, and uh, you can check out maximumfun.org for a lot of wonderful podcasts that we think you would enjoy. And thank you to the novellas for our theme song, Baby Change Mine. This has been your cross-generational guide to the culture that made us. I am Riley Smurl. I'm Cindy McRoy. And I'm Taylor Smurl. I am still buffering. And, and we are two. Yeah. did it all. Good. I couldn't remember if we said we or I. <laughs> it was good. We, we are. <laughs> I watched Zumbo after the Joker last night. It's powerful. <laughs> yeah. Hey, gang. Jesse here, the founder of Maximum Fun. And with me is Stacy Molsky, who is, among other things, the lady who responds to all of your tweets. Hi, everyone. I also send you newsletters. Uh, so anyway, something really awesome. You... Max Fun listeners have given us the chance to do something really cool on behalf of our entire community, and we wanted to tell you about it. Last summer, following the Max Fun Drive, we put all of the enamel pins on sale to $10 and up members, with proceeds going to the National Casa GAL Association for Children. Your generous support and enthusiasm raised over $100,000. Our bookkeeper, Steph, would be quick to tell me the exact total is $109,025, to be exact. Your money will go toward pairing kids who've experienced abuse or neglect with court-appointed advocates or guardian ad litem volunteers. In other words, kids in tough spots will have somebody in their corner. Knowledgeable grown-ups who are on their team through court dates and life upheavals and confusing situations, whatever. The money we raise together is going to help a lot of kids. Whether you bought pins or not, you can help us build on that $109,000 foundation. Make a donation to support National Casa GAL and help some of our nation's most vulnerable children at MaximumFun.org slash C-A-S-A. That's MaximumFun.org slash CASA. And seriously, thank you. Our community rules. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.